Get ready. Three, two, one, zero. You are listening to the Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Ryan Livergood, Trey Barrett, and Will Greenwood. That's right. We are the Fantasy Joes. I'm Ryan Livergood, and joining me this evening, as always, Trey Barrett and Will Greenwood. How are you, gentlemen? They're both stretching and showing their muscles. They must I am stoked. Out. We're stoked because we have Tim Torch on the show, everybody, at Tim F- NFL on Twitter. Tim Torch, what's up, man? Flame uh, on. Thanks for ha- this. <laughs> that's actually one of my fantasy team names is the Human Torch. I, I always play off my name the best I can. It's great as we were starting this because I actually saw Will – kind of sitting back stretching like he's getting ready to do some type of physical activity as, as we're getting ready. To so that, that's great. I mean, you got to limber up to, to record a podcast, I guess. Absolutely. At least that's well, I've, I've been do. trying to get to Chris Harris's bench press, so I'm kind of sore still. <laughs> Moving on up. Uh, so if you don't know Tim Torch, I think everyone does. Everyone that's listening to the show. You can hear him on the UTH podcast. He writes over at rbscout.com. Uh, Tim, anything else you want to share about yourself before we get into uh, really talking about our, our Superflex rookie mock draft? Uh, you nailed it on the head. This is just such a great time of the year because we're, we're in free agency right now. Uh, another few weeks, we're going to be shaking everything up with the free agents landing. A week from now, we're going to have the combine hit. Who knows who's going to do what and is someone actually going to own an island because they're wearing Adidas shoes or something like that, like John Ross didn't do last year. Uh, this is this is my time of year. Uh, my It's funny because my wife says, oh, the fantasy football season's over, so, so things should really slow down for you. And this is the time of year where things go from, oh, I was cruising along at 65, now we're going 80 because this is when you got, really got to put the pedal to the metal. Absolutely. And this is when we feel sorry for those of our friends that only play in redraft leagues for some odd reason, because this is, this is why dynasty is so much fun. I mean, this is a great time of year. You're right, Tim. Very exciting. And, and we're getting a little bit, and you know, if you're, if you're not paying attention to, to the combine coming up and the rookies coming in, what are you talking about? You're talking about, you know, reports about Andrew Luck might be throwing the ball and you're talking about the franchise tag on Jarvis Landry. And that's, eh, I mean, come on. That's, that's just, that's, that's boring. Let's, let's talk about some rookies. Are we ready to do this guys? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So this is a super flex rookie mock draft. It's a super flex rookie mock draft. And what we did is I, I don't know if it was Will or Trey. We did a little randomizer online to pick the order. And when we did that, um, it turned out that Will Greenwood had the first pick. And I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on the first pick, but I think our guest, Tim Torch, quite adores this guy. So we'll we'll definitely let Tim say something about the 101. Will, who did you pick? Well, I decided to mix things up. One, I ran the randomizer. It was at randomizer.org. But then I did take as best I could as a screenshot to validate these findings, Uh, which I think with these mock drafts, the 101 is kind of a boring pick anyway. I mean, he takes with Quan Barkley. It's not... Uh, it, to me, it's not any of a, it's not much of a discussion. Well, it's not, but at the same time, it kind of is because he's, you know, if if you believe all the buzz, he's going to just blow up the combine and and that one hundred and one value will kind of skyrocket. So, Tim, what do you think about the one hundred and one and and Saquon Barkley in particular? Anything you want to add that we haven't already heard about him? Anything you want to want to say about him? 
it's it is an easy pick and i i don't think you're wrong going that direction at all the the really interesting part that that so many people are are thinking if they have the 101 right now is do i really want to stick here and pick or do i want to shop it because if you are a contending team hey if you could flip 101 into into a david johnson type of player isn't that something you would consider that just feels like the type of move that you could be making right now. If you're a contending roster that maybe got the one-on-one through a trade, or you just had such a team that, that you were able to make that move sometime during the season, or, or if you had David Johnson on your team, he went down and your team was just wrecked. And now you still have the one-on-one plus that piece, the ability to add to your roster versus just having that one piece is, is crazy right now, especially when you're talking a super flex type of format, Barkley, I, I've been on record. He's a guy that I. There are so many comparisons that you could make that that work. I heard Evan Silva say he's a a bigger version of Lashawn McCoy. I went on record. I went with Elliot Chris and I said it's a souped up Ronnie Brown. I, I just think there's there's so many good ways to look at his game, whether it's pass catching, uh, his overall explosion, the size that this guy has, it being two thirty three, two thirty ish, and being able to run a four three three. Uh, or the power clean record, he's he's not even a lineman or anything like that, and he set the power clean record when he was at Penn State. Even if you just want to look at the guy, I'm not going to go on forever, but even if you just want to look at the guy, uh, it just sounds like his journey, he's, he's a good down-to-earth, great character type of guy when you do your research. There's so many things going in his favor. He's a guy you even want to root for, so an easy 101, but just be willing to shop that pick a little bit if you feel you can get the value out of it. No doubt, no doubt. So I was on the clock next with the 102 and, and you know, talking about kind of no-brainers, at least right now. You know, I took Darius Geis, um, probably another guy. We don't need to go on and on about how good he is. And, and obviously he's not getting the same hype as, as Saquon Barkley, but remember going into the year – we were talking about, okay, is it Saquon or is it Geis that's the best running back in college football? So I'm happy with this pick. I went back and watched some of his 2016 highlights, really blown away. I think all the listeners know about him. Great lawn speed, power, agility, paired with good vision. Uh, you know, the nice size that you want in a running back. He, you know, was clocked at a 4-3-2-40 at LSU's Elite Camp back in 2014. And this is one of my favorite things about him. The guy can squat. 650 pounds and to put that into context remember all the talk about Samaj P. Ryan last year about how strong he was he was lifting up cars you know in the campus parking lot well Saquon was only squatting 540 pounds so the guy is powerful so I you know Darius guys he's you know I, I think a pretty clear uh 102 for me guys what do you think anything else we need to say about guys any disagreements would someone take uh someone else here one of the QBs perhaps one of the one of the wide receivers instead no, I, I like guys there. I, th- I think guys, you know, it, a lot of these guys, I think, are going to ebb and flow by a spot or two um, based on the combine and even more so based on their um, landing spot. And I think guys is probably the one guy behind Barkley who's kind of locked into this number two spot. I, I have a hard time coming up right off the top of my head with a landing spot that would just be terrible for him. But there are some potential landing spots that I think could be absolutely outstanding. I think he is a complete back. And I think that this past season that he had some nagging injuries at LSU uh, 
coupled with playing in just a dismal offense. So I think that, that Darius Geis has the opportunity to be a very special running back of the next level. It's, it's kind of crazy because if it wasn't for Barkley, I mean, in, in some other classes in the past, you know, Darius Geis would be um, in the serious conversation for the 101. Only thing, the only thing I'd ask myself is if you are a team that actually earned the 102, um, then you're probably a team that has a number of needs across the board. And, and my philosophy is always give yourself as much runway as you can when you're building your team. You never want to stick yourself in a, a short-term window. And when I'm looking at a guy like Darius Geis, the way he runs, he he is uh, a tone setter. He's that guy that that will put his body on the line with every hit that he uh, gives or takes. And when you're sitting at 102 and your team is a, is a building type of team or maybe is still a few pieces away, I want to give myself as much runway as possible. And, and sometimes running back really isn't the way you want to go when you want that runway. Uh, going, going quarterback, and, and I don't disagree with the pick. I love Geis as much as the next person. But I, I just take team building once I'm off the 101. That might be something I consider a little bit more. Yeah, it's a really good point, Tim. I, I like that. Uh, so, so just to throw this out there, say, say you've got you've you've inherited this orphan team and you have no talent on this team across the board. You have that 102. Do you consider trading back or trading that pick for, for, to, to get other assets? Is that what you would do? I do, uh, and it's for the simple reason that I think this draft class is loaded, and and the the two key positions, especially in the draft that we're in right now, you. I love the running backs that are in this draft and I love the quarterbacks. You can go five deep, maybe six deep. I think there's a guy that we're going to mention at the very end. So, so there's plenty of guys that you can pick from and and it'll take you into the second and third round and, and you'll still have plenty of opportunities to gain extra value. So if you could make a, a smaller move, so 102 to 104 or five, and then pick up an extra for late first round pick or early second round pick, that may be a really strong move because you have to remember with Superflex, you're going to have some first round value skill players pushed down to that beginning part of the second round. Yeah, as, as we'll, we'll see with this mock that, that we're doing. Um, let, let's move on to the 103. And this is where it starts to get kind of interesting, right, in, in a Superflex mm-hmm. rookie mock. Um, Trey, you had the 103. Who did you go with? Well, I did have the 103, and it's kind of perfect because what Tim just said segues exactly, <laughs> you know, in, in our little group chat where we were kind of putting together the the mock as it was unfolding, I uh, put down, I wanted to, I said, let it be known that I really would have tried to trade down at this point, and Tim hit the nail on the head. at the one. I feel like that the guy that I took at 103 in a lot of rookie drafts, even Superflex, is going to go 105, 106. And I don't feel like he's the, you know, this end-all, um, fantastic, amazing talent that I can't pass up on. So I would have um, been uh, feverishly trying to look at the teams that are picking in the four and five spot. Do I think they'll go quarterback? Do I have any kind of idea who they like? And um, maybe even uh, looking into the opportunity to move down. Having said that, the 103 for me uh, was a pretty easy decision. Baker Mayfield is my quarterback one in this class. And part of that is because I really like, um, you know, Josh Rose and Sam Darnold, I think have a lot of potential. And I think that, you know, you'll find a lot of different guys among the scouting community that have those guys ranked um, differently at the top. But for me, I love to have guys on my team that I love to pull for. 
Um, not only is does Baker Mayfield have what it takes as far as the accuracy, the quick release, like he is, if you look at his performance over the, in the fourth quarter and in key moments in close games, it's been excellent. Um, but for me, what just pushes him to the top is the fact that I love watching him play. I love his competitiveness. I love the moxie, the leadership. I mean, it's a guy that I can really get behind rooting for and love to watch on Sundays. I'm excited to see how he turns out. Um, and for me, it, it was, I was pretty excited to be able to take him in 103. That may be early for some people, but uh, I loved it. I love adding any roster in the Superflex format that I can add Baker Mayfield to this offseason is going to make me pretty happy. Good stuff, man. Uh, I, I'll kind of move myself a little bit into 104 because I think these are two perfect guys to, to compare each other to because I took Josh Rosen. And, and that, this is where the line is. I, I cursed your name the second you took Baker Mayfield in front of me. And, and it's for the exact same reasons. He may not be the guy that goes one overall. He may not be the guy that has the, the height and the, the greatest arm in the world and all those metrics that everyone's going to throw out to you. But you know what? He's a really good quarterback and he's also a guy that I have a, a really easy time rooting for. So I, I completely agree with you that he is a great quarterback. The guy I took right after, I feel is a, a very similar conversation is Josh Rosen. And the part that drives me nuts with Josh Rosen is that people want to jump on his case for all of the things that he's done. Uh, as a college student. And I guarantee you, if you go, if there was a time machine and you go back and look at some of the crazy stuff that I did when I was in college, there's no way that I should have the job, <laughs> whether it's college or high school, I, I probably wouldn't have the job that I have right now because of the things that I've done in my past. But I, I just think that, that being able to say, you know what, he's a kid, he's going to mature, and, and he may be a little bit more outspoken, but as far as a prospect, and, and that's what we need to zero in on, this kid's gold. He's has a strong possibility to be either the number one or number two overall pick. I, I compare him to a Matt Ryan with a little bit of a better arm, and from day one, you should expect him to come in and to be able to run your offense and to be very good at what he does. So uh, I, I will still curse your name if you take Baker Mayfield in front of me, but Josh Rosen, I don't think is a bad pick. And as far as that runway that I was talking about, I feel both guys probably have like that 10 year runway that we've been talking about. Yeah, Tim, it's hard to complain that Josh Rosen fell to you at the 104, right? I mean, um, but I have a question for both of you guys. Obviously, we're doing this before the combine. I don't care. I don't know if we care too much about the combine results for quarterbacks. We can talk about that if you want. Um, and then before the NFL draft. So how much does landing spot matter to you with, with a quarterback? Because I kind of have the belief that there are some quarterbacks that have entered the league and they've landed in a really bad spot. And that spot has kind of ruined their career because it's such a mental game. And I think if you lose your confidence early, get thrown into playing as a starter when you're not ready, it can just ruin your career. So, Tim, how much will that play into your thought process when you're uh, drafting these guys? Well, I, I ask myself, what's really the bad spot for him? So, so he could go to Cleveland and as much as people want to talk, I, I live in Ohio, so I'm probably going to be a little bit higher on that landing spot than most people. But in my opinion, they have a very good offensive line. They have an opportunity to have a solid run game, whether it's Duke Johnson or they add another piece there somehow. They have so much cap space. They could bring in uh, Le'Veon Bell for all I care, 
But if he doesn't land there, the New York Giants. So he gets to sit behind Eli Manning for a year or two, and, and he gets to learn, and, and the Giants actually get the opportunity to put an offensive line in front of him. I, I, I know it'll never happen, but what if he ended up with the Indianapolis Colts because the Colts think Luck needs another surgery, and boy, they can't wait another year for things to happen. Uh, and you know he's probably not going to fall any further than Denver or the Jets. So it, in my opinion, there are just – there aren't really those big negative spots where you can say this is going to ruin his career, that there's not a chance for this type of guy or these type of guys, whether it's all three of the the big three that's going to be in this conversation. I don't really know if there's an opportunity to destroy careers like there may have been like with a David Carr when he was ruined by the Texans or a Tim Couch when he was ruined by the Browns. And, you know, to put some context into that question, Ryan, even if we just uh, rewind to draft class prior to right now, um, it, who would have thought that um, Jared Goff and Carson Wentz mm-hmm. going to the Rams and the Eagles were going to be great? I mean, th- those would have probably at that point in time been considered pretty poor landing spots. I, I mean, I don't think that anybody really expects to have a fantasy contributor at the quarterback position from a rookie anyways. And so some of these spots, like, you you know, the Bills, like let's say the Bills trade up into the top 10 and grab a quarter. I mean, spots that right now are uh, less than desirable could be uh, completely turned around in, you know, 12 to 24 months. So I think that for these quarterbacks that you really believe in, the draft capitals there, um, I think landing spot matters probably less than your, you know, running backs or, or even receivers. In all fairness, if they get drafted to the Browns, I'm 100% out. <laughs> That's my, I'm 100% in, man. Browns fan for life. That's my, it's my motto this year is uh, no Browns except Josh Gordon. Oh, oh that's uh, a uh, side, side note. Okay, well, why don't we move on, Will, to your 105? We're, we're going to come that... back to that, Will, just so you know. <laughs> we're going to come back to that. <laughs> hey, until, 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 until I see it. Uh, but anyway, so 105, I went to Sony Michelle here. I wasn't surprised that, that two QBs went three and four, four, and I was prepared to make this pick. There's a lot to love about Michelle's game. And I'd like to know a couple of things that I haven't really heard a lot of places elsewhere. Uh, one, that you know, I guess you've heard that Georgia had a really good offensive line last year. Uh, and I like that. I like that at a running back prospect. Give me a running back that knows how to hit a hole that's supposed to be blocked for him. Not trying to dance around the background or in the backfield. Not trying to go too hard for a play that isn't there. Who can, who can read the offensive line and, and trust of what they're doing. Uh, another part of him, besides like metrics and stats and everything like that, you could those are those are pretty easy to read. I love his character and what he what he's done in his life. Uh, so his parents were native of Haiti, natives of Haiti. They moved to the U.S. after uh, his first, his older sister was born, and and then they went to and I found this on it was on it was on GeorgiaDogs.com. It's an article by Ann Nolan. I don't want to just plagiarize here, uh, but they moved to America, land of opportunity. Uh, it, it didn't provide you know immediate salvation, difficulty. However. Uh, it, you know, it was hard for his family and what they were doing. And, and Michelle took this into, into play. And, and by his sophomore year of high school, he had become a hero in his hometown of, of Plantation, Florida. In the success, he was able to get his parents jobs at his high school as a janitor and a cook. And those are jobs that they still hold to this day. And I think the – and there was a quote in there. It says uh, from Sony, uh, that, is why, that is when I realized football can be more than just a game. It can be a way to open opportunities for me, my family, and other people. And so that was one thing that to be really – that's just super interesting about him. I want a guy that wants to work hard and wants to use his opportunity for what he has in the NFL for good things. And I also think that motivates people on and off the field. And I think that he's going to have a really bright future. So here, sticking Sony Michelle. 
Uh, on the red flag side, he, he, he fumbles a lot in, uh, per touch. <laughs> Will has no Joe Mixon shares from last year. Going for the good guy. This is like if this was the Winter Olympics, like what you what you said. This was like talking the backstory, talking him up, and then then they're going to show him perform his event, and and you'll be excited about him. Um, I know I, I <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm no Joe Mixon because I was all Fournette. <laughs> Give me that try. Anyway, no, I but no, I think that's. I mean, I think I think we, you kind of point out to something that that we talk about a lot off and on on this show is that at the end of the day, you want to take guys that you want to have on your team, guys that you love to have on your team. Um, cause it's just fun. It's, it's, it's fun to have, uh, guys that you want to root for. You like their backstory. It helps when they're talented, <laughs> like Sonny Michelle. Right. Um, so I, he's a stud. yeah, he's a stud. And I think that's a good place to get him at the, at the one Oh five. Any, any thoughts, Trey, Tim? Well, you guys know my affinity for Sonny Michelle and, and I, you know, kind of as a guy I've been watching as a, as a big Florida Gator fan, um, you know, I, I've, even back to his recruiting back when he was recruited as a five, I think it was a five-star recruit when he went to Georgia. Um, and then, you know, throughout this season, I kind of anticipated that he was going to be a guy that I would target in rookie drafts. And then the college football playoffs happened. And it was like, he kind of, re- he was a guy I was hoping to get toward the end of the first round and then the, the blow up. I, but I, I'm going to say this, he's a guy that might not show as well. I think he is better on film. I don't know that he's going to test grade at the combine. I, I wouldn't surprise me if he runs in the low four fives or even four six. And uh, I think that that might calm down a little bit of the hype in the dynasty community on Sonny, Sonny Michelle. Um, I, I do like him. I, I think his landing spot will be interesting, um, but I, I'm, I'm super interested to see how he does at the combine and how that affects his, his draft status. I think he could slip a little bit in the actual NFL draft. Yeah, I'm I'm 100% on board with the Sony Michelle pick. And you had mentioned he was a st- five-star recruit. He was. He was the number three ranked running back and number 20th ranked recruit in the nation. And and I this this is something that if people have listened to the UTH podcast for a while, that when we're looking at these prospects, especially when they're at this stage, you can look at recruiting for a running back. There's not, there's not really any other position that you can kind of look at a recruit and say, hey, this kind of translate. But look to last year, Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey, both five-star recruits, as well as uh, I think Joe Mixon was up there and Dalvin Cook. Though There's a reason that works, and that's because uh, <clears throat> the reason that works is because it, they are phys- physically gifted. They have the... Uh, they have the instincts to do it early on and it just works to be a good recruit at that position. They also get early chances when they're in college. So in my opinion, when you're looking at a guy like Sony Michelle, it's just a gamble that works because of number one is pedigree coming into college. And there may actually not be a guy who has a more raw deal coming into the program because first he had Todd Gurley to deal with, and then he had Nick Chubb to deal with, and he still had Deandre Swift at his, at his heels the entire year. <laughs> Good point. All right, guys. He, you were ready to talk about my 106. I think this will be maybe the first polarizing pick of this draft. Maybe. We'll see. My 106 is Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold is my QB2 in this class, only behind Josh Rosen. Okay, so I realize that this guy is a USC QB. They don't exactly have the best track record in the NFL, right? USC quarterbacks. And I realize his mechanics are flawed, his footwork is horrible. He makes really poor decisions at times. He turns the ball over way too much. Am I talking to you and doing me yet? Probably not. But let me tell you what he does do. 
the guy is certainly a leader. The guy makes plays. He's accurate. He's got that prototypical NFL QB size, 6'4", 220. And he has a really great arm. And, and I have to say, like, when I've seen him this year playing a college game, I have to admit, I, I remember when he played Notre Dame and, and I saw him and I was just like, oh, at least early in that game, he just didn't look very good. And I was thinking to myself, like, this guy's not going to be an NFL quarterback. But since then, going back and watching him, guys, he makes plays sometimes that reminds me of Aaron Rodgers. I'm not saying he's Aaron Rodgers at all. But he, he, he you know, gets into trouble. He gets into a bad situation. turns it into a great play. Um, Matt Waldman um, has this great RSP film room on, on Sam Darnold. And it, it's, it's worth watching. He makes this argument that you shouldn't get consumed by the bad things that you see with Sam Darnold. As, as Waldman says, and I quote, Brett Favre's throwing motion was often less technically sound and more get her done. He won three MVPs and essentially created the RPO. So, okay, I'm dropping a couple of uh, all-time great quarterbacks and comparing them to Sam Darnold, right, or comparing Sam Darnold to them when I throw out Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. But I think he, you can fix his flaws, and I think his floor is pretty solid, even if he never really makes improvements. And I, I think he could be a really elite quarterback in this league. So that's why he's my QB too. That's why I liked him at the 106. I, I, I like Sam Darnold. And I have to admit, when I watched him in college football games this year, I, I didn't like him. But when I've gone back and I've watched him on film and watched some of the plays he makes, I'm just going to forgive some of that stuff. I mean, he's, he's also – I think that Baker Mayfield is at least two years older than Sam Darnold. So he also has a lot of room to grow. He's one of the younger uh, quarterbacks in this class, if memory serves. So that's my, that's my plea or my, my rationale for, for Sam Darnold. What do you guys think? Am I crazy? I kind of just want to say something off the bat is when we're talking to these quarterbacks too early in the first round in a super flex rookie draft, if you are a team that is rebuilding and you're ready to lose for a couple more years, these, these are the guys that you're taking and you're using your draft capital in these rookies drafts to pick them. And in all honesty, it's, I feel like it's a very honest opinion. You have to be ready for these guys not to contribute for your team for at least a year. Uh, and where they, where their landing spots that, that can change everything. But I think it's something to keep in mind when we're going through this. Because we did take quarterbacks early here, and it does matter about your team build and things like that. But like Sam Darnold is super young. He had two years of starting in college. Well, one year uh, full starter, uh, one year of like savior of USC. And he has some, he, he did flash quite a bit. But I would be very, very shocked if he is, if he's a starter and maybe even the first a year, probably a year he could sit, depending on the team, and, start, and go in year two. But he's, he's young and he's, it takes development in the NFL. So anyway, I just want to split that side up before you uh, kill Ryan for drafting Sam Darnold, which I, I prefer over Brett Favre because it's easier to spell because you pronounce his name correctly, Sam Darnold. I love it. I, I actually think it's a good pick. I, I, won't, I won't roast anyone for that one. I, one of the only quarterbacks I've ever seen live and in person throw uh, is Sam Darnold. Uh, I got to go down to Texas and see him play against Ohio State and I was impressed. He was a guy that uh, had plenty of poise in the pocket. I saw one, I still remember the, uh, one of the turnovers he had during the game. He was trying to hit his wide receiver on the left-hand side that was just running a comeback route, and the way he locked his leg and just tried to use all arm and it was picked off was, that, that's what you get with this type of quarterback. But on the flip side of that, I remember seeing him make throws during that game that were NFL tight window, not many people in the league can make those type of throws, which I think is great 
and and especially with the pick we're looking at right now and we're we're trying we're starting to get into a territory where where there's a clear division when you're talking about a quarterback that's going to go in the top five get plenty of opportunity to start I, I think it's just one of those risks that you should be willing to take and the upside with him I agree is there all right good thank you Tim I, I feel better about the pick no and, and I like him but at the same time, he he seems to me that he he's kind of a polarizing figure, and you know when you when you look at him, you, you can see some of those flaws. Anyone can see some his flaws in his game, and I think that will turn a lot of people off of Sam Darnold. Yeah, uh, and I, maybe I missed it. Are we supposed to hate on this pick quite a bit? I feel like was that was that something? Uh, I don't think anybody is upset about this. No. Oh, okay. Maybe it's. I just, mean, I am now because I'm supposed to be, and I want to fulfill. It's just, here, it's just my insecurity on, on taking Sam Darnold, I guess. Taking taking the, the, the third QB in this in the same <laughs> This show is sponsored by Fantasy Gambit. Fantasy Gambit is a new app that searches fantasy podcasts for takes on the players you care about and sorts those takes by player so you can quickly find and listen to what fantasy analysts are saying about your team. Fantasy Gambit is currently looking for beta users to get feedback on what they think about the app. In exchange for being a beta user, you will be given free, early access to Fantasy Gambit on July 1st, which is the perfect time to have the app to help you prepare for your redraft leagues. Go to FantasyGambit.com to sign up and see a demo of the app today. Once again, that's FantasyGambit.com. Um... Trey, any thoughts, or shall we move on to your 107? No, we can move on. I'll pro- likely just echo a lot of what, what's been said. I, I don't I don't dislike the pick at all. I think in a super flex format, quarterbacks are extremely valuable. So I think his, you know, he's he's got a pretty wide variance, I think, between his ceiling and his fl- uh, floor, and there's a little bit of risk involved. But it's the sixth pick in the first round. I mean, I think there's, you know, you're going to start – none of these guys are going to be without some sort of blemish or question mark. So – I didn't. I didn't dislike the pick at all. Next pick, though. Trey nails it with the next pick. Well, that's a great segue. So I'll just jump right in. Uh, The 107. um, This guy, I love this guy. This is a guy, and and I'm just going to go ahead and tell you his name. His name is Nick M. F. and Chubb. That's a PG for you guys. This guy is being underrated all all over the place, And, and I know that three years ago he tore every ligament in his left knee, I think, except his ACL. He only had one ligament left in his left knee. I believe there was some questions about whether he was even going to return to football. And and before that injury, he was an elite, elite running back prospect headed for stardom in the NFL. Um, And so not only is he a great, again, Georgia Bulldog, I followed him very closely um, through recruiting and, and through his SEC career, uh, he it's it's hard not to root for the guy. He came back after the injury, didn't look quite the same, but it seems like every year since that injury, he's been able to recapture a little bit more of the explosiveness that he showed before that knee injury. Um, I, even if the, I, I think for me, the worst case scenario for Nick Chubb is that he ends up in a position like Detroit where they have a Theo Riddick. They have a guy that's a solid third down back. And and, and uh, Nick Chubb um, is, is only a two down back and goal line back. But I believe that he's so good and such an instinctive runner. And, and at his size, at like 5'10", 220, 225, 
the speed that he has, if he can get to the second level, I think he's got the ability to be very special. And and I do think that he 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 is miscast. And, and shame on me for just jumping straight to that. He he can catch the football. He, I believe that he's got the ability to be a three down back. I just believe he's he's such a special talent that even as a two down back, he could have an a, an incredible impact in the NFL. I'm very excited to see uh, what he does at the combine. And, and I'm really interested to see where he goes in the NFL draft, not just for um, landing spot, but draft capital. Uh, love Nick Chubb. I'm super happy to get him at the 107. Um, I think that he's got a chance to be very special. I was curious about his freshman year, too, when he came in, because that was the year Todd Gurley got hurt, I believe. And I was like, okay, so he had a monster year that year. And as far as production goes, and, and like averages and things like that, probably his best year that he had. So, and if you look at the stats, he basically didn't do much in the first five games that, that Gurley was there. So we're going to look at the last eight games of that season. Just, I, I want to just let, let everybody know kind of, this is what he would be on pace for in a regular season. And he missed uh, getting to play Troy on one of those fluff games and getting to like rack up the stats. Uh, but anyway, so if you kind of discount the first five, because he had in the first five games, he had 31 carries for 224 yards. Uh, not, not a lot going on, two touchdowns. In the next eight games, he had... 188 carries for 1,323 yards at seven a carry and 12 touchdowns. So if you extrapolate that out to a regular, if you give him those other five games at that pace, you're looking at 306 carries for 2,150 yards and 19 and a half uh, rushing touchdowns. To add on to that, when we look at catches, if that again, it's 24 catches for just under 300 yards and another T and a half. So overall, you're looking at just under two, you're like 2,446 yards and 21 tutties. At over seven to carry. And I think that, you know, when you're trying to take him at his best, and he's recovering from that knee injury that was pretty drastic, you know, remind, just remember that this kind of athlete is inside of him. And if you, if you were to put up that season, you know, he would have gone pro after three years for sure. That's like the R- R- Rashad Penny stats in the SEC, man. That's, that's yeah, that's pretty- what I was going to say. That's, that's against <laughs> SEC defenses. I mean, he, yeah. his well, I freshman think year, the tape, if you've not watched, I mean, oh my gosh. Like his, his his tape from his freshman years is, is just ridiculous. It's getting hot up in this podcast, Tim, and and I think you're gonna pile it on some more, right? You you love the pick? Yeah, I thought his name was Nick Gives Me a Chub, uh, because I, I mean, ah. oh, he just worry. he's he's great. Uh, uh, again, another guy that has great comeback story. Uh, he's looked as you mentioned a little bit better every season coming back. So he's had two solid years. And the crazy part is even though he was coming back from injury in 2016, he still had over 220 carries, which, which is just mind boggling to me. And, and people may go towards his receptions in terms of, Hey, he may not be the best receiver. In my opinion, that's a joke because the offensive line in Georgia is just next level. And they barely had to actually throw the ball this past season. And and you could also look, they were dealing with the freshman quarterback. So, so as far as being able to deal the ball now from looked great in terms of the, uh, in terms of the playoffs, but uh, I would just say overall that, that to put that level of stress on that kid uh, to, to be productive with two really good running backs. I don't think you could expect that type of production. So, so is, where does he rank in people, uh, players you want to see how they perform in the, in the, in the NFL combine? I mean, he, he's gotta be at the top of the list. Cause I'm very curious to see how he, how he performs at the combine. 
I actually don't think he's top of the list for me. If I had one part of the combine that I could see, the medical check, that's what I want to see with Nick Chubb because I really – I personally don't care about how he tests on the field. He's a guy that's 220-ish, 225 maybe. And in those type of running backs, when you're talking about, number one, the the recruit that he was coming into college, and number two, he's 220. Uh, in the film that he has already put out there, I'm pretty confident he's going to be a very good running back anyway. But the medical part of it, because th- you just have to think back to Jay Ajayi that wasn't that long ago. They said that that guy is not going to last more than – uh, not going to last past his first contract in the NFL, and he's still ticking. So that that's just something you may want to keep in mind. So, Tim, if we see him drafted like in the fifth or sixth round of the NFL draft, do we just assume that the medical, um, you know, background check was was just did it just showed some things you wouldn't want to see? Yeah, I'm I'm sure it shows whether it's still uh, maybe some they have to go up and do a cleanup procedure in his knee. Maybe there's not healing the way you expect, or they may even come back and say, just like Ajayi, he's not really going to have that long of a career. In my opinion, you just have to be willing to take that gamble because he's a guy that has so many things in his pocket already that the medical may not be something you want to really worry yourself too much about. Can he please drop down to the second or third round and go to Tampa Bay? <laughs> like, I, mean, I, I think, and, I, think and, I think Georgia like, had a better listen, offensive line until, than Tampa Bay, though. Some reason, if for some reason he can drop a four four five forty at the combine, which oh I don't gosh. think is completely unreasonable, if he if he can because the, the the explosiveness has returned season by season, if he can drop a mid four four uh, to to lower four fours forty, I mean, I think the hype could start getting out of control. He could push mm-hmm. push up into the early second round. So not to give anything away, we should move on to the 108. And I think the fact that Nick Chubb went at the 107 is kind of a perfect segue because I think of Nick Wayland and how he gets a Chubb when he thinks of who Tim took at the 108. Um, so, so Tim, you want to you talk about who he took at the 108? I just, I just kind of gave it away. Yeah, it's, it's Cortland Sutton. And uh, something that I, I've been doing behind the scenes that, that I'm, I'm starting to work on for – maybe a bigger picture article is the idea of hit rate with wide receiver versus running back. And I just started it this week. So, so my views have actually started shifting a little bit and the odds of hitting on a running back that you take in the first round are so much higher than the odds of hitting on a wide receiver that you take in the first round, unless it's one of those bulletproof type of wide receivers, they or unless you say it's 2014 class Generally, within the first year, they decline in value before they see that bump, usually around year two or three. So uh, Amari Cooper is one of the few cases. But we saw it last year with, with Corey Davis. His his value, what, midseason you could maybe trade a, a what looked like a decent, decent first-round pick for Corey Davis. Sure. Uh, I, I'm saying all that to say I took Cortland Sutton here, but I'm actually, as I'm getting into my research, I'm starting to regret it. I'm actually starting to make the recommendation to people. If you have like the, the 105, 106, 107, and you really don't have the running backs you like there, maybe take a step back. And, and even if your team's wide receiver, wide receiver needy, take a step back and move down to the early part of the second round where there's still a lot of running backs that we like and pick up a veteran wide receiver that you like that could really boost your team. Uh, add Demarius Thomas, add Michael Crabtree, add, 
uh, add Des Bryant that's going dirt cheap right now. Those are the type of uh, veteran wide receivers that people don't really want to put the money into that could be that could turn a contender into a champion this year. That's good. I can't wait to read that article, and that, that's some great insight. Trey, you looked like you wanted to say something about that. No, I like that a lot. I, I think that the um, wide receiver position um, is so deep, and I think that we start to write off some of these guys. And, and he mentioned the name. I mean, Demarius Thomas, if they, if they can bring a legitimate quarterback into Denver, I mean, Demarius Thomas could be a wide receiver one, and it wouldn't surprise me one bit. So, yeah, I think that's a great a, a, a great recommendation because, uh, and, and I'm I too am very interested to see where your uh, where the data comes in on that um, article. Uh, and yeah, also like looking at Cortland Sutton, I just have a lot of questions. Like, why didn't he come out into the draft last year? I'm, I just I, so he had he had been three years in college. I know he was a, like a, technically a redshirt sophomore, but he came back for this year and he didn't. Over, I just I, I hadn't been able to find why. Was he, was he staying for you – because know, he had a pretty good year. People were talking about him as a high pick. He had an opportunity to go pro. And SMU, to me, is not a school to where people stay to win championships or stay to do anything. And so I, I just wonder – like, I, I haven't found the answer to that. But I have the question, like, why did Cortland Sutton come back? Uh, the other one is the, the – actually, the last Fantasy Pros podcast with Matt Waldman on there, uh, he said that he doesn't like the way Cortland Sutton catches the ball. He, type, he sometimes catches it with – basically like palms and it just puts a very interesting image or a very fun like image in my head and uh, I think that you you have somebody who's that tall let's say he actually ends up running somewhere in the four fives at the combine ends up crushing it he could be he could be something special I just it's with the way things are going now and recency bias through the roof it's hard for me to invest in a guy like Cortland uh, at this point in time and I know know you already said it but I just was like I still don't know why he came back I just I want to know why why was he the Auden-Tate of last year's draft? That, that, that's a great point. And, and you mentioned Auden-Tate. And the, you can't teach big and you can't teach fast. And he's those, those things and does have good enough hands, especially to be a, a solid, solid wide receiver in the NFL. I, I really think the hang up there was he wanted to give his, his college some publicity because if you remember he held like a press conference the whole nine yards to where he made this wanted to have this conf, uh, press conference and make a special announcement everybody got there and expected him to declare for the nfl draft and he just did it so that he could say he was returning for one more season it was the craziest thing in the world but as far as his tape i i will say the one thing that i disagree with waldman on is that he's a guy that's really developing right now because he was a defensive back when he was recruited to SMU. He wasn't even a wide receiver. So he's still learning a lot of those nuances to the game that uh, maybe how to catch a little bit better with his hands or, uh, or even route running, maybe playing a little bit uh, bigger and, and using his frame a little bit better. Those are things that I do think he can improve on. But what I like is that he's a defensive minded person and he will attack. And, and I do think that works in his favor. That's why I did take him here. I, I feel like I railed on him when I, took, took, when I uh, started talking about the pick. He's a good player. I do think there's a reason I had him here. And unfortunately, I've just been working on other things that have been moving that opinion down a little bit. So, Tim, based on your research, I know you're still doing it. Is Cortland Sutton a guy that you think a year from now you'll be able to get cheaper? Maybe like I, in a I super – 
Yeah. 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 Even if he goes in the, so you have to think what's bulletproof. So what are the guys that you're like, is going to be a top five pick uh, that's probably going to nail every single production uh, height, speed, the whole nine yards. So Amari Cooper, yes, he checked that box when they were coming out a guy like Sammy Watkins. That's another guy that did check the box or Mike Evans. Looking back to last year, you had your questions with Mike Williams because speed and people would mention uh, separation, things like that. Look where his value is right now. John Ross, you could probably trade a, a low second for him right now. And when he was going probably 107 in rookie drafts last year, uh, right now, I, I just feel like my initial jump into the data, even if these guys are first round wide receivers, I doubt they're going to be high first round picks. Even Calvin Ridley, I, I would expect them to fall down a little bit and then to be, that's where I like to buy. It's kind of like the stock market. You you don't buy hard when things are going up. You buy hard when things are going down. And that's where I might invest a little bit harder in these wide receivers. Yeah, love it. That's great. Really great insight. Let's move on to our 109. Will, who did you take of the 109? Ooh, uh, 109, I'm taking Lamar Jackson. This is one of the quarterbacks I've been targeting Wide receiver? Get, get out of here. Get out of town. <laughs> he's definitely not perfect by any means, but at least he's a true junior that's coming out uh, and isn't staying an extra year at SMU. Uh, no. <laughs> so he posted a, a 85 college QBR, which is, according to player profile, is the 89th percentile, eight and a half yards per attempt. I guess these, these kind of things, uh, they matter when you're coming to the NFL. And I get that he's – but this guy has the tools to become legendary. He can throw the ball downfield. He has a cannon. I know he's not the most accurate person. Uh, but he won the Heisman as a sophomore, came back, he, post, he you know, then posted just massive stats again. And for me, if I'm taking a QB in the first round and I have a team, uh, I, want to, I want my player to go – it depends where he lands too. But anyway, with Lamar Jackson, uh, he just he has a lot of tools to make him super, super successful, and I want to see where he goes. And I think I'm higher on Lamar Jackson than, than some people. One thing that I think is a fun stat is he was the sixth leading rusher last year in FBS with 18 rushing touchdowns. Wow. And I know that doesn't translate perfectly in the NFL, but having to do your the NFL is evolving. We're now more in super flex, more two QB leagues, things like that, because the NFL is changing to get around these 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 athletes that are coming up through the the college level. And I cannot wait to see where Lamar Jackson goes. And I I, I was so stoked to get him at the one hundred and nine. One of my biggest regrets is that we don't get to see Michael Vick in today's creative fun NFL that that has some of these offensive minds that are doing the whether that's the fun term that's going around the RPOs or or whatever you want to call it I think it's so sad that we don't get to see prime Michael Vick really being able to be part of the NFL and for me this is almost almost the second opportunity to get to see Michael Vick at the NFL and when I watch this guy Lamar Jackson play it's very similar to him as far as how he throws the ball because Michael there's few guys that just have like that perfect spiral on the ball that just flick their wrist and he has crappy mechanics he, he doesn't use his body at all he just uses his arm for the whole thing and it it's flooring just to see that guy flick his wrist and the ball just jump out of his hand but that's the type of guy we're talking about right now if he gets with a creative mind he could easily be my favorite running back or I'm sorry, not running back. My favorite quarterback value in the draft. There's no doubt in my mind because with his rushing upside and natural talent that he has, I don't think there's any doubt he could be in the QB one territory for 2018. 
there's no doubt in my mind he could hit that. Yeah, I, I, I love this pick. I was really hoping he would get to me at the 110. I, yeah, I think there are four QBs that are worthy in a, in a rookie Superflex draft that, that to take in the first round. And, and you know, pro- maybe the, the guys that go third and fourth are, are, are going to be the best in the NFL. And Lamar Jackson is, is certainly among those players. Just, yeah, I know. I think, I think he is very exciting. We'll love, love, love. The what, a, uh, what would you guys guess how many interceptions he had in his last year? Seven. That was going to be my guess. I'll say a nine. <gasps> I'll take the under. Wow. Uh, I was, so I was talking to this about a coworker and I was like, Oh, I love Lamar Jackson. He's like, Oh no, he throws too many interceptions. I was like, how many think he had? His last year he had 10. So now this, that went, that went poorly. Uh, with, no, I think <laughs> half, of, half of those was in that bowl game because he, he did not look good. I don't remember who they played or what the bowl game was, but he had a bad, bad bowl But he game. had, yeah, he had eight, nine, and 10 interceptions. And you're talking about a Louisville team the last year that he was on. They were poor, but they were not good Ooh. overall. And he was trying to, he's trying yeah, to, they're receiving plays. core, especially. Yeah. And I just, I know, I know that again, like he has a lot. You could, you could pick apart his flaws pretty easily, but give me the guy that, and has this athletic upside, and he can throw the ball like you know quarter mile, right over the mountains. You know the difference to me the the Mike Vick comparisons I think have been like overblown. The you know, Bill Polian is, you know, popularized the you know thought that he should move to wide receiver. The the thing for me about Lamar Jackson is uh, he is improved every single year at Louisville, and you know his adjusted. I, I forget. I wish I could give credit to who it was. And Tim, you may know because I think I read it on Twitter. Someone had had um, posted that his adjusted uh, adjusting for drops, his adjusted completion percentage was um, like in the high sixty percent range. But I think this guy, if you take away the running ability, Lamar Jackson has potential as a quarterback. And you add in the fact that he has elite athleticism, and the ceiling is off the charts. So I, I'm with you guys. I love the pick. I would absolutely love for him to go somewhere that he can sit for a year behind uh, a, a, an experienced quarterback, kind of learn the ropes. I don't think he is a guy that's going to benefit from starting uh, from day one, but I could be wrong. It, it just depends on where he lands. He's a guy. Uh, if there's five guys that I'm absolutely ex- just ecstatic to see where they land, in the real NFL draft, he's definitely one of the five. It was pro football focus. I, I, I don't know anything beyond that, but it was PFF. Yeah. Because yeah, his completion percentage was uh, 59.1%, but when, when you adjust it, it, it it's, it's into the, well into the 60s, Trey. Um, yeah. Well, we, we love Lamar Jackson. Let's move on to the 110. And this was my pick. And I took Calvin Ridley. Now, I was tempted by some running backs here. Um, and, and I probably, especially after what Tim said, I was regretting passing on a running back that will come up later that, that um, you know, b- before. <laughs> and now after what he said, I, I'm, I'm definitely regretting it. But Ridley is my number one uh, wide receiver of this class. Um, as Greenwood Analytics pointed out to me the other day when he was looking at my pick on the show sheet, he's like, yeah, Ryan, he's only six months younger than Amari Cooper. You know that, right? Um, <laughs> and, and yes, his college yeah, numbers. Greenwood Analytics is coming back. and yes his college numbers leave a lot to be desired and yes he's a little on the small side but have you seen this guy and that's what i I have to say if if you don't like the pick have you seen this guy ball skills elite route running elite playmaking ability elite and you know the opposite of elite when it comes to quarterbacks jalen hurts (laughs) 
Jalen Hurts. It hurts so bad to watch 2017 highlights because Ridley was getting open all the time and, and Hurts either didn't see him or couldn't get the ball to him in a timely manner. So I like Calvin Ridley at minimum. I think he's a wide receiver two at the next level. However, I think he does have the potential to be great. So Calvin Ridley is my pick at the 110. My wide receiver one. So, guys, I, I'm feeling a little insecure about this pick for whatever reason. And you should. Um, especially because his production, his age. <laughs> I know there's some, there's some things that indicate that he's not going to be, um, you know, this, this great fantasy asset. But, I, but I, I like him. I like him right now. So, I, I'm eager to hear what you guys My think. My big question is, why is he so old? I haven't found a reason for it yet. Just came into college late. High school before going over the age limit. Like it's a weird it's the curious case of Calvin Ridley. And I don't I don't necessarily just like nobody needs to provide me with an explanation of this guy. Like he's just like but I just I wanna know things that make you go hmm. why why are you so why is he so old? Because you're good. Why are you so old? That's when he was born. It's weird. That's That'll be it's like that's 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 fairly simple. My mom, I had me. It's fairly simple math as to why. No, but why, so why I can tell you only six months younger or younger than than Amari Cooper. Why is it so weird? Because he was born six months before Amari Cooper. What, uh, yeah, but why? Yeah, why is he? Why is he so old? Why couldn't he finish his high school year? Why was he that old in high school? What's the reason? Is he? Is it? Is it a uh, life situation? Is it anything like that? I'm very just. I just I'm curious. I don't know if it affects where I drafted him. But I just want to know. Like, why? Because when's the last time you had somebody like this? Yeah. I have no idea. You're, <laughs> it's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's a questionable <laughs> prospect. And, and I have the same question you do. He's old. Uh, and he does, he does have plenty of check marks because I, I do see what you're saying. But it was also really interesting. The other part of what you, what you said is he's a wide receiver too. You, you, those are, I'm saying, I think his floor is a wide receiver too. Okay. You think his floor is a wide receiver too. I I do. I do. I I think he can be a good wide receiver too on a team um, that that has an established guy uh, on one side of the field. And maybe he can be a quality flanker. Uh, Very quality. He he is good. I don't want to put that past him at 190 pounds though. I will say this guy needs to fly. And, and that's one concern I really have. There are some people I've, I've heard want to put out there. He's going to run in the four, three range, which I just, I don't think is going to happen. I'm not saying it won't happen, but I just don't see that happening. And 190 might be generous. If, if we get to the combine and he weighs in somewhere in the one eighties at six, one, that is just a scary proposition when you're talking about BMI for a wide receiver. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's that's going to be important, and and that's why obviously, if if you found this podcast and you're listening to it after the NFL draft, you 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 might want to find a newer podcast, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, uh, so I looked up Calvin Ridley today too, because again, curious. I was trying again trying to figure out why he's so old. Uh, but there were some great stories about Alabama, and when so that Alabama defense, when he was I think a freshman, was that the year that they won the national championship? The Alabama defense was like would be gloating, like because the offense wasn't getting any yards against them. They'd be like flexing their muscles, and then uh, Lane Kiffin would put in Ridley for just for just you know a nine route or a go route, and they were like half the time he 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 catch he'd catch it in the practice for a touchdown, just shut them all up. So I think there's something to be said for his actual playmaking and, and his ability and his speed. And the other thing was he's not he runs. This is again you know team speak a little bit from where I was reading. I can't remember where now, but that he he doesn't he he keeps the same speed with or without pads. 
And that's one thing about yeah. the combine that always irks me is why don't they run the 40 in pads? Because uh, it doesn't like, – if you, if you can't handle the way things move and the way things work or everything there, it's just uh, you're not that fast like for, in the NFL. It's like that's why it was, like Usain Bolt doesn't become an NFL wide receiver because he can't run that fast in pads. The one thing I'll, – I'll jump in here real quick on Calvin Ridley. You know, the one thing – don't um, – I wouldn't be completely um, turned off to Calvin Ridley by his age because his breakout age, you know, if you look his freshman year at, at Alabama, he caught almost 90 passes for a thousand yards and seven touchdowns. And, uh, you know, anyone who has watched Alabama football in the past six to eight years knows that they've never really been a passing offense. They're a ball control offense. They play dynamic defense. They run the ball. They throw the ball when needed. So for a wide receiver in that offense to catch nine, almost 90 balls for a thousand yards, as a true freshman in the SEC, and, and and I don't know if it was a true, may have been a red shirt. I do know it was his freshman season in 2015. So that's just one of the things to keep in mind. Um, and also, you know, Cooper Cup was a guy last year that people were concerned about with his age coming into the NFL. I, I think one of the things with these older prospects is you just want to see that they were able to dominate at the college level. And I think when given the opportunity, Calvin Ridley did just that. I think he's going to go in the first round of the NFL draft. And I think that he's going to have the opportunity to produce from day one. So the thing I love about getting him in the last three, you're at the 110, if you're someone who made the playoffs in your dynasty league, this is a guy that could be your wide receiver three, wide receiver four, or, you know, flex kind of guy. So I, I love the opportunity to add a guy of this caliber who can produce immediately to an already potential championship contending roster. Uh, that's kind of what I love about Calvin Ridley versus Cortland Sutton. I think Calvin Ridley outperforms. I, I think he's probably the best performer of all the wide receivers his first year and probably second year in the NFL. Again, that's landing spot dependent, but I think he's got the ability to contribute uh, immediately. How, how angry do you think Calvin Ridley would be that you compared him to Cooper Cup? <laughs> uh, just, just kidding, uh, for the most part. But uh, so the thing that gets me with Calvin Ridley, though, is because he's – coming out as, as soon as he can and is at this age where Cooper Cup stayed five years in college. And it's not like, and I don't, I don't think the age is a deficit by any means. Uh, more curious. And the, the, it was Trevor Sycamore, if you haven't seen it, Juju Smith-Schuster will be the same age that Calvin Ridley is on draft night when Smith-Schuster's rookie contract is finished. I think it's a great quote, just to, to put it in perspective of what's happening right now. And I don't think, I think ageism is a huge thing in dynasty football, but I think that's a very fun, like a, I don't know, a very fun, like stat. Let's move on to the 111. Trey Barrett, you, you took my guy that I was considering at the 110. If I hadn't taken Ridley, I would have taken this gentleman. So, uh, yeah, and, and I know that Ronald Jones, who was my 111, uh, I know that he's going to be polarizing. And he's a guy for me that the combine and the actual NFL draft, I mean, like this quick public service announcement if you're in a league, that is uh, doing your rookie draft now, that's ridiculous. Like, you got to get some information. You've got to see what happens at the combine and where the NFL – I mean, I, even startups right now where you're actually taking rookies instead of the, the picks and then selecting who you want at that spot, um, you know. So – and Ronald Jones is a guy for me that a lot of um, – what I've seen on film, I really, really like. He's also a guy that for me, I feel like there's been a little miscasting. And we talked about on this very podcast 
last year, um, some hesitance when I was, you know, trying to uh, hype up uh, Alvin Kamara. There was a little hesitance just because of his um, – he wasn't even the starting back on his own team in college. And I remember saying and thinking, you know what, I can't blame the coaching staff at Tennessee's mismanagement of his talent um, or, or I can't, you know, project that forward to the NFL. And Ronald Jones is kind of the same for me. Like, I can't tell you exactly why they turn Ronald Jones into a short yardage and goal line back and, and running downs back and took away the, the passing down work from him. Because for me, when I watch Ronald Jones, I, I'm not saying he's a perfect prospect by any means. There's a reason he's being taken at the end of the first round here. There, there are some question marks. But as far as just a natural and instinctive runner, his vision, his ability to kind of let plays unfold and then hit the hole or make a little um, juke cut and go is incredible. And so I am very excited. Um, and, and I put in our show notes, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, for me, I would say that Ronald Jones for me is the dark horse to be the offensive rookie of the year in 2018, because I think that he truly has the potential. I think that there's going to be a team that recognizes his ability and how he will fit into their scheme. And I think that he has incredible ability as a runner that, and the production and everything that happened at Southern Cal was a little bit of a result of him not being used completely correctly. So I'm, I was really excited. I went back and forth between Ronald Jones and Nick Chubb um, at the 107. So when Ronald Jones fell to me at the 111, I was ecstatic to take him. Um, I know he's going to be polarizing, but I like, I like to get him at this spot. I want to jump in because I'm, I'm so ready to, to go about this guy. The first question I have for you, which, which in my opinion with these guys is always the first question I want to ask in running back terms anyway. How much do you think he weighs in at? So he, he's already listed either six foot or six one, somewhere around there. Where do you think he weighs in? I think that there's a good possibility he weighs in. I mean, I, he's definitely going to be under 200 pounds. You think he's um, under 200 pounds? I think so. Cool. I think he probably eee. 195 to 200. Okay. I, I, was, I was trying to be courteous, and I was giving him like <laughs> 210 maybe. <laughs> and, and, no, I hope he's eating some sandwiches or something. And yeah. I, something that, that I put together privately is just a prospect database. It has basic stuff like height, weight, BMI, basic information like that in it. So if you're looking at a prospect that is either uh, six foot or six one, and then 200 ish pounds, the, the list of, here's the list of guys I have coming up. Joseph Randall, <laughs> Andre Dixon, Sultan, uh, I don't even know how to say his last name, <laughs> Delvin Flowers, Derek Foster, Madre Hill. Give me all of them. That's a great list, Tim. Man, all those guys. Wow. They're still in the waiver wire? Can get them? <laughs> They're all headed for the Hall of Fame. So <laughs> That was a Hall of Fame list that he was reading off of. CFL Hall of Fame, maybe. I, I, was, even, I was even trying to put it up. So, so I went up to uh, 210 just, just to try to be generous and to see if I could – try to get a little bit more juice behind it. Probably the best comp that's come out recently is a Kenyon Drake type of guy. Uh, Justin Davis from USC was similar size. Daniel Lasco, Jeremy Langford, uh, who, who was a good pass catcher. Again, Joseph Randall, 
uh, Glenn Coffey with the 49ers, Mike Goodson with the Panthers. Uh, again, it's not really a who's who's who. With that low BMI, you have, and especially low BMI, and a guy that that has not been a proven pass catcher. And that's why I try to keep telling people he's a guy that has a slight frame. And when I, again, I saw this game, I saw him being taken off the field on third down, whether it was for passing situations or pass protection situations. He's a guy that it's going to take time. And that's just such a risky bet to take a guy that has a BMI under 30. So I, I bet that Ronald Jones is being shorter than what he's listed at. I, I, has there, I don't think he's had a measurement that's like the combine or like the senior bowl where you have like a pro measuring them. You know, every, every dude says they're two inches taller than what they actually are, which I'd be curious of. Uh, and I think that one of the examples of that is still like, I just pulled it up on ESPN, like James Washington on ESPN is still listed as six one, And he was like, what, five, just – just over 5'11 or just under 5'11 at the Senior Bowl. So I would be interested to see what his actual height is. And the thing with Ronald Jones that gets me too is, so if you look at his carrying, like how they used him, as he went later on in the collegiate season, uh, his last four regular season games, his lowest amount of carries was at Colorado and it was 25 carries. It, and that's, so he, it, Ohio, like Ohio State, he didn't have as many. But he's, he's I mean, he's had a 30-carry game in college in a game that they won. And he has grinded it out a little bit. And I don't, I don't know. I, you know, I, I haven't seen. I watched him play a little bit, and you had these like counting stats and how big and, and how like how tall and big they are. But I'll be. I want. That's why I think he's a really interesting prospect for me for the combine. Let me see what he actually weighs and how tall he actually is and how fast he actually runs and how good of a pass catcher he actually is. Yeah, Tim. I mean, because I, mean, I had the same concerns. That's why I took Ridley over over Jones. The two things, like his size, and then the fact that he hasn't shown this ability to, to catch the ball or, or be this effective pass, catch, pass catcher. But if, if he develops into this pass, pass catcher or he's better at it than we think at his size, don't you think, think he could still be a dynasty asset? I mean, don't you think there is a path for him to be this viable uh, fantasy asset, Tim, or no? There, there is, and I, I, I dog on him because I'm not a fan of his game and I I'm just don't – People want to compare him to Jamal Charles. And I, I even got into a little bit of a feud with someone on on Twitter tonight, and it was probably one of the best conversations that I've had about him for a while because I, I made the comment about how he's bad at pass protection and, and wasn't a good wider wasn't a good pass catcher. And my my bigger thought to that was that because he said Jamal Charles wasn't a good pass protector when he was in college either. But the part with Jamal Charles was that he was still productive with other guys around him in the passing game. And, and he said, Oh, he, Ronald Jones only had one catch per, per game and Jamal Charles only had 1.5. Well, that's a little bit of a difference because that that's the difference between almost 50 catches when you're, <clears throat> when you're in college. So they're just two different prospects. People want to put, put them right next to each other because of the dreads and then the, and then the number on their chest, they're just two very different prospects. And if I'm going to to say, you know what, I'm going to take Ronald Jones, he better fly at the combine. If he's going to measure in with that low BMI, this dude better be lightning fast. What gets me with like Jamal Charles comps too is look at the college game now to when Jamal Charles was in the college game and how things have changed so drastically. I think, I mean <laughs> – it, it's yeah it's hard to get I think collegiate comps are super tough to produce because what if that they had a coach that's running the triple option that year 
And they had a ton of rushing yards because of that. And I just mentioned the triple option because I hate it. And it's impossible to watch, but uh, it's a, you, it's, it's an interesting, it, I think it, it, it dilutes comps quite a bit, especially when it comes to Jamal Charles, like stop comparing people to Jamal Charles. <laughs> he's, he's, he was yeah. a special player. It's not good. <laughs> Don't do it, man. Uh, all right, Tim. So I've changed my who to watch the combine. I, I've moved Nick Chubb down my list, and I've put Calvin Ridley and Ronald Jones at the top of my list. They got it. Those guys got to fly. So that's something I'm gonna be looking for. Um, Calvin Ridley might, do, might, do might oversleep the start of it because he's so old. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ridley. Like, where's Calvin Ridley? Where is he? He's not running this forty. Oh, he's taking a yeah. nap. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. He's still old. Uh, so we move on to uh, the 112. And Tim, this is an interesting pick because I think you might have this guy higher than anyone else that I've seen. Um, so we'll talk about who you picked and, and why. It's Royce Freeman. And um, uh, again, as I had mentioned, I'm going to pull it up real quick so I'm not lying to you guys. Um, on 24 7, which is where I get all of the recruiting information from that I, that I generally reference. Uh, Royce Freeman is a very high four-star recruit, uh, 98.3, which is almost five-star. As far as his college production, rarefied air to have a guy with his combination of rushing and receiving. And again, as I had mentioned with Ronald Jones, the BMI is very important. You're talking about a guy that is either six foot or 5'11", right in that sweet spot. So I would say the, the perfect sweet spot for me is somewhere between 510 to six foot. So, so he's going to be right in that sweet spot. And if he's over 225, so 225 to 230, I think it's perfect because the comps, like we, I had slightly mentioned before, start to become guys like Deonta Foreman, Leonard Fournette, Gordon Howard, uh, the, those guys that, that are a little bit more uh, durable and have a little bit more overall ability in terms of. <clears throat> being able to take the hits when they get to the NFL Freeman was doing it from an extremely young age too, which I don't think is a part that gets brought up enough. The second he hit campus at Oregon, he was productive from day one. Uh, He had a little bit of a down year in 2016, but he bounced right back. He's a good pass catcher. This is the type of guy I, I almost call, I think he's a Jordan Howard, but with good hands. So just imagine that when you're trying to put together this guy in your mind, that he has an all, a good all-around game. He's not going to fly. He's probably going to be in that mid-4-5 range. Uh, I'm sorry, 4-5, four, four, five, 5, something around that neighborhood. So he's not going to be a burner. But I think he's the type of guy you may even want to watch out with, like the three-cone. If he's anywhere near 7, like a 7.1, he's going to be off the charts for me. So interesting. So I, I think the, the the two knocks I've heard on him are – one, he doesn't really stand out uh, in, in anything, which isn't, I guess, necessarily a bad thing. But the number two, it, he's got this history of injuries, and, and he, he's got a lot of usage in his career in college, and, and he maybe does. he's been beat up, and he's going to kind of league that's going to hurt him. And any concerns with either of those two things? Do you, do you um, I mean, is there anything that really stands out in his game, Tim, that, you, that you've seen? I think it's well-rounded, and, and that's the part that, that I want to emphasize to people, that he's been so productive for so long that you can't just say, oh, this guy hasn't really done it. You're, you're talking about a four-year starter with Oregon. 
Uh, he's had over a thousand yards in three of his four seasons. And the one season he didn't get to a thousand yards, he had 945. He's had every season with 14 plus catches. So what, so this past year he had 14 catches every other year has been uh, a 16, 26, 23 and 14. That is, that is very good. That is next level, especially when you're talking about the level of quarterbacks he's been dealing with since Mariota left. Yeah. Uh, he's been Justin Herbert is is definitely a step forward, but uh, again, it hasn't been exactly the Chip Kelly offense that you're running there. I I think he is a quality running back that can do it all, and there's nothing wrong with being solid across the board. As I mentioned before, Jordan Howard, he he's just a guy that's going to keep grinding. If you give Jordan Howard some hands, imagine how good of a running back he would be. Uh, tell me about it as as the Bears fan here on the on the yeah, show. Uh, <laughs> uh, tell me about it. I think he's on that list of like watch what he does at the combine as far as you know speed and agility. I think one thing because all of his carries in college, it's hard it's hard to see somebody who has nearly like a thousand touches in college, and you think about a thousand tackles, but think about Oregon's offense when he was with Mariota and they were running. How often did one of those guys get tackled like hard versus going out of bounds and what they were doing? And so I have, you know, again, he might not have as much wear and tear as what people are thinking he has. And I think his vision, because I've heard him, uh, it was on the elite. Yeah. They said his visions uh, like, like Matt Forte's as he gets the comparison and it was Elias, I think it was Elias, Elliot Chris on the Blue Rush podcast that said that, but I want to see the rest of his stats play out because when you play on an offense like Oregon and you don't show up as a super fast player, that's not that shocking. Oregon recruits some crazy <laughs> athletes. You know, you're at the home of Nike. And I think it's – even with him, like, staying another year in college versus, like, let's say, Cortland Sutton, I guess he just wanted to hang out as an Oregon athlete and play again because he gets all these free Nike shoes. He's hang out. They have a, a lazy river in their locker room. He used to be a baller for one more year. And last year's running back class, everybody was hyping so hard. Maybe he was like, well, I'll just wait a year. So, gentlemen, that's the end of the first round. Do we have any thoughts about the first round? Uh, the best pick, worst pick, anything that sticks out in your mind? Yeah. Well, you know, there were a lot, there were a lot of really good picks. You know, I, I can't say that I, I'll, I'll just have to say this. I, I think for me, the most important thing uh, for the moving forward as we have the combine go down and the actual NFL draft is uh, pay careful attention to how some of these guys that we're talking about perform. Some of the guys that we're talking about, really watching um, how, how well do they do. But at the same time, you know, a guy like Dalvin Cook, don't, don't take a guy last year like Dalvin Cook, who many people thought was going to be the 101 or 102 and uh, had a poor showing at the combine, and all of a sudden people are dropping him to the fifth or sixth pick in the first round. Don't, don't over, um, overanalyze what happens at the underwear Olympics, as we call them. Um, and the other thing is, you know, go with your heart. If there's a guy that you really like, if there's a guy that you feel good about um, and you're on the clock, then take him. And if not, th- th- explore trading down. I think, you know, Tim talked earlier about the depth of this class. And I think that next week, as we jump into the second round, we're really going to start to see the depth of this uh, rookie class. So there's an opportunity if you're in the middle of that first round and don't absolutely love anyone that's on the board uh see if you could trade down three or four spots and pick up a a mid-second round pick um but i i thought there were a lot of a lot of guys um that were taken uh, super flex obviously always pushes some of the talent at the other positions down a little bit so 
I thought there were a lot of really great picks here in the first round. Will, what about you? What, any thoughts about the first round of this draft? Well, yeah, it's not the 101 I want it. That's pretty obvious. Got the Quan. Show me the Quan. No, I think it's fun to discuss these guys. And I think it, it was nice when a few players came out. It's, it's more to read into what we're doing. We're before a combine, before NFL draft. So if this was the first round of what we, that we would do for a mock draft after the combine and NFL draft, I would just be floored and I'd be so proud that we picked out all these guys beforehand. That would be awesome. <laughs> uh, I don't know that that's realistic, but that would be awesome. Uh, Tim, any thoughts on the first round? Yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's really amazing the, the leap we've already made. Uh, I was listening to one of the UTH Premium podcasts this past week, and they were talking about Stoney Michelle, and it was actually recorded back, back on Halloween 2017, and they were talking about getting Stoney Michelle in the middle of the second round. And to think where prospects have come from even Halloween to now is, is crazy. So just, just don't forget, we, we still have so much left to go. As Will said, we have the, we have free agency coming. We have then the combine, we have the actual draft. We have a second round of free agency. We have any crazy trades that might be happening. There's still plenty of stuff that, that can happen. And the biggest question that you always have to keep in mind uh, especially when you're in a dynasty league is uh, be careful buying into veteran running backs this time of year, because this is a very talented class. The free agent poll is very good with, with some of the guys coming through. Just remember that when you're buying a run, a veteran running back, you have a lot of questions that come with those guys. So unless you're going to go with someone like the Joe Mixon, Leonard Fournette, someone you're a little bit more confident in will have the job moving forward, be very, very ultra sensitive to what's happening. I think the thing I want to say is, so I'm, my, my Twitter handle is at Rotor Librarian. So listeners know that I am a, a librarian by trade. I am an information scientist as I, as I like to joke, but, but I am. And when it comes to getting into <laughs> when it comes, and I'm a little bit arrogant too, I guess sometimes, but no, seriously, when it comes to um, this process and analyzing these rookies, I, I agree what Trey says. If you really have conviction on someone, you, you, if, if they have a poor showing at the combine, you know, don't, don't let that, that sway you too much. But at the same time, if you're not so sure about somebody, if they just let, you've seen them play a couple of college games, look it on tape to you, but you don't have all the facts Keep, keep an open mind because because this episode, for example, you know, hearing more of the downside to Calvin Ridley, hearing more of the counter argument about why maybe you shouldn't take Ronald Jones, you should listen to that and, and take that information along with the, the good and the bad and then use that to make your decision. Because um, I, I think sometimes we get fixated on players. We really like their backstory or we like we, we saw them in this game um, and they, they just, just, you know, we, we saw Sonny Michelle in the championship during the championship games and he was unbelievable. Um, but, but, but put that in context, take, take all this information that this is a process and, and, and take all the pieces of the puzzle, put them together and then make your decision. So with that, we are excited. We're coming back next week. Tim is going to join us again for round two of our Superflex rookie mock draft. But in the meantime, we want to thank you for listening to another episode of the fantasy Joe's. We want you to contact us directly at thefantasyjoes at gmail.com or at ffjoes on Twitter with your feedback. Your feedback is welcome. Tell us what you like about the show, what you don't, and what you want from us. Uh, we come at you weekly on Fridays, typically, or sometimes earlier with new episodes. 
but be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and leave us a review if you leave us a review right now uh the first 10 reviews that we get you're going to get a free fantasy joe's t-shirt you don't want to miss that with our new logo and preferably we hope you leave us a review that's positive um also, in, in terms of feedback for the show, pinned on our Twitter feed, you can get, fill out a survey. We're asking you what you like about the show, what you don't. Fill out the survey. It's just five questions. It's really easy. Fill it out. Um, you can find us all on Twitter. Trey is at Trey Barrett. Will is at Joe underscore Will. And I'm at Roto Librarian. On behalf of Trey Barrett and Will Greenwood, I'm Ryan Livergood. And we are the Fantasy Joes. Fantasy Joes. Let me talk to you about Ryan Null. The running back for Oregon State. Oof. Taking him in every last pick of my rookie drafts. Undrafted. He gets he's getting invited to the combine. He was Oregon Press football player of the year. Hey, hey Tim, so how about this this at the end of the show? Like who's your deep, deep, deep sleeper? Like like someone that, that might go undrafted that you're just like really intrigued with. Tim, you have anybody you, any names you want to throw out? Oh boy. Uh let me pull up my spreadsheet really quick. <laughs> I'm sure I have a couple. Of oh, it's got to be off the cuff. I don't want a spreadsheet name. Oh, I I do everything from a spreadsheet, man. I don't know what you're talking about. That's right. Uh, the 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 librarian <laughs> approves, Tim. Don't worry. I like that. Uh, Chris Warren from Texas, big dude, uh, amazingly big dude. We're talking. Uh, so he was is another guy that is a. Uh, I believe he was a very high or five very high four or a five-star recruit uh 240 plus pounds this past year towards the end of the season they were actually talking about moving him to tight end wow and they were he was going to transfer to a different school at the last minute he declared for the nfl draft but but a big guy that actually has a lot of juice um let's see uh ito smith i think he should be drafted uh showed well at the senior bowl uh, reminds me a little bit of a, a Gio Bernard type of guy. He's going to be a satellite satellite back type of player. 